Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this beautiful late spring, early summer day. We thank Thee, Lord, for life. We thank Thee for renewal. We thank Thee, Lord, that when we can look into Thy Word, even as we see every spring, everything becomes new. Everything is given purpose. For truly, Lord, each one of us is here for a reason, for a purpose and a purpose that thou hast created us for. And so we pray, Lord, that in this day, as we look into thy word, thy spirit might speak, that we might listen, that we might gain greater understanding of why we're here and how we should live while we're here. Be with those that can't be with us. We're mindful of the many that have traveled away. We pray that they might have safe travels back home. We pray for Brother Urs, who is struggling with some infirmities of the flesh, but still has committed to come, we pray, Lord, that he might be strengthened, that he might be given grace, and that their travels might go smoothly in the coming week. Lord, be with Sister Hilda, be with Aunt Laney, be with others, Lord, that can't be with us in this day. Lord, and visit them, touch their hearts, and bless them. And Lord, if there are those that have chosen to stay away, we pray that through cords of love that can only come from a father, thou mightest draw them, not to us, Lord, but to thee. Now, Lord, continue with us. Speak to us out of thy word, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear ones, all week long, I have been preoccupied with a thought and, and with a scripture, and I believe the Lord would, would have us share it together. So would you turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 25. 1 Samuel 25. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to read the first 38 verses of this. And Samuel died, and all Israel were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And, and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears, now the shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not, neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask the young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the, young men find let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand, unto thy servants, and to thy son David. And when David's young men came to and they spake to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and ceased. 
And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto, unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told David all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there, sent, and there went up after David about four hundred men. Two hundred abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and were not hurt, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything as long as they were conversant with as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and day, all the while we were with the keeping the sheep. Now therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took two hundred loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and two hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, Go up before me, behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of a hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertaineth unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave all that pertain to, to him by morning light. And <clears throat> let me read that again, please. So and more also do God unto mine enemy, the enemies of David, if I leave all that pertain to him by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. And when Abigail saw David, she hastened and lighted off the ass and fell down before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thy handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I am thy handmaid. Thine handmaid saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as the soul, thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and all that seek thee seek evil to all that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, even let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, 
because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but, thy, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thine enemies, them shall, them shall he sling out as of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief upon thee, nor offensive heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood countless, causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged him. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with thy Lord, then remember thy handmaid. And David said unto Abigail, Behold, it's, sorry, light is kind of tough here, even with it on. No, I can't blame the light, it's just the old eyes. Verse 32, And David said unto Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet, thee, to meet me. And blessed be the advice, and blessed be thou, which hath kept me this day from coming to shed blood, and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand, and that which, she, that which she brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine own house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice, and have accepted the person." And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he had held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore, she told him nothing, less or more, until morning light. And it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass, about ten days after, that the Lord smote Nabal, that he died. I'd like to conclude with verse 38. Apologize for the, the halted reading. We have a scenario where David's men have protected, they're in the wilderness in Carmel, they have protected uh, Nabal's uh, shepherds and the sheep, and, and I love the verse that says, and they were as a wall between, about us, so the, no one could come and, and, and take anything away from these shepherds. And now it's shearing time, and shearing time is a time of celebration. It's a time of feasts. And there was going to be a lot of food, plenty of food, and David's men were hungry. So David sends some of his men to go and meet Nabal. And Nabal basically curses him and sends him back. You know, and, and, I, and how he says, who's, who is David and who is Jesse? How do I know that you guys aren't just a bunch of servants that have broken away from, a lot of masters lose their servants these days. Servants just rebel and they take off. How do I know that that isn't what these, these men are? So David's men go back and tell David. And what does David do? So David has in his mind vengeance. Fine, I'll show this Nabal who he is. Get ready. Grab your swords. Put your swords on your sides. And 400 of David's 600 men go. 200 stay back with, their, with the, the, the tents and things or wherever they were staying with the stuff. And 400 go out. And David has in his mind to slay every male 
in the household of Nabal. And Nabal's a churlish man. He is, he's nasty. He's evil. His own wife calls him a son of Belial. But one of the servants says to her, to Abigail, um, I got to tell you something. David came, or David's men came, and they were hungry. And guess what your husband did? He's a fool. And now we're all in David's sights. And I love how Abigail reacts to this. She doesn't tell Nabal, not right away. She gets a feast ready. Um, let's see. And Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves, two bottles of wine. These aren't small bottles. These are big, giant containers of wine. Six, uh, five ready-dressed sheep, five measures of corn, a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, and she goes out to meet them. And she said in her heart to her servants, you know, go before me, and so on. And then when, when she meets David, and I, and I love how she puts it, then when, verse 23, and when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell down before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground. She's coming to David and she gets off her mule and she just literally lays with her face to the ground and asks forgiveness. She claims, she, she says, you know, put, blame me for everything that happened. Here's a woman, a wise woman, an amazing woman. She was beautiful, she was tender hearted, she was spirit led. And she goes to intercede on behalf of her household. And my first couple times reading through this, I'm thinking, isn't it wonderful that the kindness of Abigail turned away the wrath that Nabal was facing? That Nabal was the one whose heart was changed, and it was wrong. David's heart was changed. Abigail was dealing with two men that had an attitude problem, not one. She was dealing with her husband who had an attitude problem, and she just figured, I have to go around him because I can't reason with him. But look at the things that she said to David. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to, a, to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand. She's saying, David, don't you realize what just happened here? The Lord has prevented you from avenging yourself. And then she talks about the blessings that would come upon him. And then she says again, I pray, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord. And the evil hath been found, no evil, and evil hath not been found in thee all the days. Yet a man riseth up to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life which the Lord thy God, the souls of the, uh, which is the with the Lord thy God. I love how she's she's protecting David. 
Yes, she protected her household, but her kind, her kind demeanor, her gentleness, her kind word was preventing David from committing something that was not in keeping with what God's will was. She said, there's been no evil found in you. No one would have anything, David, that they could ever lay to your charge. That you acted inappropriately, or you acted out of character, or you acted with vengeance. So God has spared you today. Because your your life is bound up in the will of God. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offensive heart unto my Lord either that thou hast shed blood causelessly or that my Lord hath avenged himself. Again, this beautiful woman with whose nature was as beautiful as her countenance because of her kind approach turned away wrath. And David picked up on it. David recognized it. And he said, oh my goodness, God has used this woman to keep me from shedding blood. And then, as we go on reading, she, um, David wishes her well. She goes back home and she's going to tell Nabal what happened, but he's having his, his shearing feast and he's too drunk to understand what she was saying anyways. So then the very next day, when, the, when he had sobered up, she told him what she did. And I love how she doesn't seem to be afraid to tell Nabal exactly what she did. And in that moment, Nabal has some kind of a stroke, and he ends up paralyzed. And in 10 days, he's dead. David didn't need to avenge Nabal. God was going to do that. David didn't need to get upset. God was going to take care of it. David just needed to let God do the work. And as I, as I thought about this all week long, I kept thinking about just the word kindness. We live in such a volatile, vitriol-filled world. Yesterday, Frida and I were driving, and, and, and we, were, we were going on 690 West. We'd gotten on at Hiawatha, and we were going to run out to Costco. And I looked up at a billboard for a law firm that was just offensive to me. How it's just, it's, I'm thinking, how do I explain to my kids what that gesture from that hand means on a billboard that's probably 40 feet long and, and 20 feet tall? That's the world we live in. Turn on the news. Look anywhere. No one can say one kind thing to anyone else. Everything is just filled with hate and spite. And everybody has to figure out, how do I get in the first lick before somebody else does? How do I, how do I make sure that I defend myself? Well, Abigail knew a better way. With kindness, let the Lord do it. So I was, I was reminded of a few scriptures. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Hmm. 
there's a verse, another verse in Proverbs that I just thought of, and it said that our words might be as apples of gold in pictures of silver. Think about that. That our speech, our words, as, as people listen to, to what we are saying, is it like apples of gold in pictures of silver? Ephesians 5. Now getting to, to believers. Ephesians 5, verses 22 and 23. Just got to find it here in my Bible. And I must have the wrong reference there. But it talks about us being tender-hearted, being kind toward one another, and tender-hearted. Are we? Am I? You know, I, whenever I teach on communications, I talk about things that the words we use are 7% of our total communications. That's it. 38% of our communications is our tone of voice, and 55% is body language. How do people perceive me? Even not what I'm saying, but, but do I have an angry, resting face? I do. I know I do. Smile more. I asked a question. I don't remember exactly what the class was this week, but I asked a question. And one of the, one of the, the attendees of the class said, just smile more. If you smile more, you change the countenance of others. We don't need to bow like Abigail did. But if we just smile, maybe we've been defrauded. Maybe we've been shortchanged. Fine. Smile. Maybe we're trying to travel somewhere and our flights get canceled. And everybody's all upset. Everybody's angry. Everybody's whipping out their phones trying to rebook their flights. I have a colleague of mine, and, and she's, she, she's very capable, she's extremely gifted. And she said to me once, she says, you know what I do? Because she, she would travel quite a bit. Now she's got three kids, so she probably doesn't travel that, that much anymore. But she said, when, when it's always it's inevitable it's going to happen. She said, I just go to the counter and I smile. And I say, I don't know if you can help me. And I feel bad even bothering you with all these other people. But do you think you could help me figure out how I can get on a flight to get home? Because she doesn't come as Nabal, she comes as Abigail, people help her. She gets better treatment, she gets preferred treatment because she approaches people with kindness rather than wrath. Galatians 5, maybe it was Ephesians 2. Anyways, forget my Ephesians verse. Galatians uh, Five. I don't want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Dear ones, as people 
think of us? If someone would mention our name to someone, what would they think of? Would they think of someone that was filled with the fruit of the Spirit? Someone who is loving and joyful and kind? Who does their best to see people as the Lord would see them? When, when, when we see people acting so unkind, what's our first reaction? Are we quickly to say, well, serves them right that this and this happened? You know, I wonder, I wonder how many people, when Nabal died, said, yep, served him right. Served him right. And it did. I mean, it was, it was God's justice with Nabal. But a man had a stroke, was paralyzed, and died because of his bitter spirit. That's tragic. When we see people getting so angry, you know, and one of the things that it hit me too this week where, was it this week where the swan was killed? This week we found out that the swan was killed. It was terrible. Faye the swan was taken from the pond in Manlius along with four of her signets. She was killed. Thankfully, the signets are okay. Now what Manlius is dealing with is the people up in arms about saying how cruel it is to, keep, to make these swans stay in this pond. Well, I don't think there were many swans that had it as nice as Faye and her signets. But there was a 42-year-old man this week shot at a barbecue at his house. Nobody knows his name. We live in a town where more people are concerned about poor Faye that became barbecue on Memorial Day than the man who lost his life. Where's the kindness? We're more concerned about a swan than a man whose family will grieve forever he was doing nothing wrong. He was sitting at his house or at a picnic somewhere. A Memorial Day picnic and a drive-by shooting took, shooting took him out. And our town talks more about Faye. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody put some memorial plaque up for Faye. We don't even know the man's name. I don't know the man's name. I heard it, but it didn't, it didn't stick with me. Lastly, in closing, James 3. And this verse, these verses in James really speak to me because it's always like a, it's a reminder. It needs to be like a mirror for me. And dear ones, please don't feel that this is a message I'm preaching for you today. This is what the Lord's been saying to me. Are you kind? Are you kind? Do people see you as someone filled with kindness and mercy and love? Are you turning away wrath with soft words? Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envyings and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. 
Now, dear ones, this is a scripture that I've used oftentimes in, in church situations, not here, but in other places. I'm not, this is not, I'm not applying this at all to a church situation. This is what the Lord is telling me, if I, even if you think about society. You know, we can narrowly focus this and just say it's just a spiritual thing. No, I think, it's much, I think there's a much broader principle here. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the Spirit. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Does that not sound like the society we live in? But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated full of mercy and good works, without partiality and without hypocrisy. For the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. May the Lord add his blessing to this word.